Look, I don't mean wrong, I heard they need a theme song Execs rejecting me, telling me to dream on I just wanna make it big and put my team on Hate to say I need a certain flow to lean on But I ain't with that ish, baby, I don't follow trends I feel like Orange Cassidy around my best friends Nothing's forever, so I'm hoping that this thing will last Irish with you, then I hit you with that stinger splash Wildin' when I hit the scene with my new team Coughing drop from the top like it's routine I heard you need a lesson, I'ma have your order ready I'm far from ordinary, got the dark order ready Entering the ladder match, I need that title shot There's still an opening, I can take that final spot Always the same winners, I can make that cycle stop Face of the revolution, I can make that title pop <laughs> this one's for you. Exploding barbed wire match, did I see that right? This ain't the first time we witnessed it, this crazy fight. Ready for part two? Let me be impartial. Just make sure we're cleared with the fire marshal. This ain't a game, that's why they call it a death match. People want it hardcore, they bout to get that. Your idea of extreme, man, forget that. We're taking over the world, learn to accept facts. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Boochcast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special treat for you guys as we are doing a recap of AEW Revolution. Now, as I mentioned before, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a while back, I did uh, NXT TakeOver uh, Vengeance Day. And even though technically we're still on hiatus, but we're going to be returning within uh, a couple of weeks. I said I was going to do the AEW Revolution recap as well because I wanted to be fair and prove to certain people I am not biased. But also, this time around, I did make one biased decision, and that is um, last time when I did the NXT TakeOver, I was all by myself. And the reason I was all by myself was because my NXT correspondent, uh, John Tumblin, was celebrating not only Valentine's Day, but also his anniversary with Rhiannon. So... Because they were celebrating their anniversary, I did not want to disturb them. But since today is March 7th and no romantic holidays of any kind is happening, I extended an invitation to the two AEW correspondents. Now, Desmond Dagenhart sadly will not be joining us. And the reason is because, uh, sadly, he has to get up early for work on Monday. And also, he has been working 12-hour shifts at his day job, like, almost every day. So... 
he was not going to be up for doing this uh, recap. But the other one, ladies and gentlemen, is here. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the other AEW correspondent and my part one co-host, the one, the only, Mr. Elvis Delinsky. Wow, thank you so much for that intro, ladies and gentlemen. The OG of AEW, the original AEW correspondent to your friendly neighborhood. AEW correspondent Elvis Lonsky is here to unwrap this pay-per-view, which was Revolution. How are you doing, Vinny? I'm doing fantastic, man. And, uh, you know, not only am I excited to be recapping this with you, it's been a long time since it's just been you and me with AEW. This is, I think it's the, yeah. the first time in a long time we've done this together. Yeah, it's true, because we always had, like, Desmond um, on here. And I guess going forward, when we have our show, it's going to be me and Desmond going forward. So yes. we should probably cherish these little moments we have together when we're doing AEW. Because going forward, I mean, other than small little iterations where if someone can't be there or on vacation or something, pretty much it'll probably be me and Desmond going forward. Yes. So um, I'm glad we kind of watched this together. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's unwrap this show, because uh, I lie, this pay-per-view was okay, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. Um, but man, there's a lot to unravel this one. So obviously this takes place in Jacksonville, Florida, Daly's place. Um, all, you know, always a beautiful venue to be at, but of course we had the buy-in pre-show, um, Britt Baker and, uh, Maki Ito with Rebel versus Thunder Rosa and Riho. Now we all know that, uh, Rebel's supposed to be in here, but she supposedly hurt her leg. I guess someone had crushed it or broke it or something during a prior match. I think it was like Nala Rose, supposedly. Yes. So instead of having, um, Rebel be in the side with Britt Baker, they had Maki Ito. And, um, yeah, let's just start from there. <laughs> yes, uh... Uh, I, I, I normally don't really watch the pre-shows or buy-ins. Of any, the only time I ever watch a pre-show with a pay-per-view is when we're all together as a group because we usually have it on in the background while we're all, you know, chatting and having fun before we actually watch the show. So uh, you saw the buy-in, so tell us what what went down. Oh, man, it was fucking garbage. <laughs> Sorry. Um <laughs> It was it was literally fucking garbage. I mean, Thunder Rosa came out to an awesome pop. I fucking love Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker was way better than she was like a year ago. Um, these two carry the match throughout the whole night. Um, watching Riho wrestle tonight made me realize how much I fucking hated her in the first place. <laughs> um, she just she is so bad. And then same thing with uh, Maki Ito. They have like these things where um, I think it kind of spawns off from the Japanese wrestling with the DDT promotion where they do like a lot of whole bunch of taunts and trying to be funny, but doesn't really transcend well into the um, our our kind of culture, the way we watch wrestling. Uh, Maki Ito had that kind of thing, like she was a heel, but she was doing a whole bunch of funny poses and trying to be funny. Uh, Riho was just like she's she has the believability of a Marco Stunt facing against like a Wardlow. Um, it just, it seems like everything she does just does not hits. There was a lot of sloppy parts on here. Um, a lot of Japanese strong style that I kind of like, but not really, but this one kind of felt kind of flat, especially from Riho and, um, and Maki Odo, um, or Ito, sorry. Um, I just, it, this match didn't do it for me. Britt Baker looked amazing. Thunder Rosa obviously is freaking amazing. Um, they did the best they can to you know, put whatever they can um, to try to put some kind of effort to get this um, show started. But I mean, it was good for a buy-in, I guess, but Riho and Maki Ito, man, I just, I am just not fans of either of those two because they're not really doing anything for me. They're not really transcending or jumping up my screen showing potential talent. It just wasn't good. Yeah. The, and the thing is they're not doing anything for anybody. The only reason they're there is because of Kenny. Like if Kenny wasn't an executive VP, these women would not be featured on anything. 
because they genuinely are not good. They're not believable, and they can't tell a story. They just go out there and do the circus shit. And, you know, Thunder Rose has always been amazing, you know, even going all the way back to when she was Cobra Moon. The, really, the only thing that I'm, I'm impressed with is the fact that you're saying that Britt Baker looks a lot better now than she did before. The fact that you said Britt well, Baker— she did. I mean, she, she exponentially, like, she exponentially grew bigger. I mean, especially in this match, too. I mean, everybody saw that last last tooth standing or whatever the fuck match she had oh, with— um, Well, I, I don't even want to talk about that match because it was horrible. It was this was a big step up for Britt Baker, so good for her. Um, obviously the one we saw was Ito and Baker when they won with the most devastating move in all professional wrestling, the roll-up. Um, Britt Baker had won the match. Um, Thunder Rosa, she looked great in this outing. She always looks amazing. She carried the match along with Britt Baker. So, and the thing is, Riho was a champion. And it's weird the fact that she was the first champion and she carried it for so long. And she was absolute garbage. I could not wait to this match to end because of Ito and uh, because of Riho. They yeah. they just weren't good. They just I mean, there's gonna be a lot more of this later on in the night though. But um, it didn't transcend well um into at least my TV. I just wasn't a fan. Uh, maybe some of the people may have liked it, but I just didn't care for the match. It was garbage. It just there was a lot of painful spots where uh, there was some botches. Some the timing was off. It just seemed like it was. I don't know. Just they tried to get a lot of stuff in, and another, another, a lot of it didn't connect. It was really hard for us to really get into it. It was kind of garbage. I mean, just in my own opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And so, of course, after the buy-in, the pay-per-view officially starts. So now it's got our attention. And we have our first official match of the evening for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. The Young Bucks defend the titles against the Inner Circles, Chris Jericho, and MJF with Wardlow. Um. I thought those was a pretty pretty okay match. I mean, the Young Bucks, I mean, we talked about it before. I like the Young Bucks, but it just seems like with all the storyline, with everything that's been going on, you know, them trying to make them look like the, um, the faces and peril type things. They attacked the father with the storyline that was given to them. The Young Bucks just cannot pull off being faces. They're just smackable douches pretty much. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, like, you know, with the Inner Circle, you know, MJF and Chris Jericho trying their best to try to get um, the Young Bucks over – as a face, it just seems like they just cannot pull it off as much as they want to. Now, the match has had a whole bunch of great spots. You know, it was fun to watch Jericho and um, MJF just go at it, though. They were on the same page. Um, everything was fluid, um, you know, tagging in, tagging out, cutting off the cutting the ring in half. I mean, it just seemed like they had everything you wanted to see in a match. And obviously, you had, like, the heroes coming back and trying to sit there and, you know, um, do some shenanigans or try to do the comeback, which everybody kind of goes for. But it's kind of hard to root for the Bucks when they're just they're just complete douchebags. Um, it's kind of weird. Like I like them sometimes, but you know I like them as heels. I don't like them as faces. And this, the way they're painting the picture in this match was their faces who are trying to overcome MJF and Chris Jericho because they beat up Papa Buck. I mean that's not a believable story. No one really cares for it. It's kind of weird. Yeah. The, well, the whole beatdown of Papa Buck didn't make sense because they found out later. That the blood that Papa that was all over Papa Buck's face was fake, and you found out later that Papa Buck wanted to legit bleed. He wanted to get juice. He wanted to get color, like actually bleed. But the Bucks said they wouldn't allow it, which lowers my opinion of the Bucks. Because first of all, if if your dad wants to do it, fucking let him do it. And second of all, that would add more to the story. The more real a beatdown looks, the more emotion you can invoke. We're at this stage in our in our lives as adults, because mostly the adults watching AEW, that's what they're trying to appeal to. 
We know the difference between fake blood and real blood when we see it. You know fake blood when you see fake blood. You know when someone's actually fucking bleeding, like when it's gushing down their face. And if he's willing to do it, let him do it. He's a grown-ass man. He's older than you, you know. And, and second of all, you've got veteran like Jericho who can protect Papa Buck. The man's been in the business for 30 years. He knows how to gig somebody and make it and make it to where okay, he's not going he's not going to get hurt so bad. So you have a a 30-year veteran you can trust and you're still like, "Well, we're not going to do it." Well, you made the whole build up look stupid. Also, the young bucks are not tough guys. That's why they get, you know, they they get the jokes like that one guy's called like Road Warrior Buck cuz he keeps trying to act like a badass. The young butts are not tough. The young butts are not badasses. You're not scaring anybody. You're, you're not. No one looks at the young bucks and cowers in fear. And if you do, you're, a, you're either a pussy or a bad actor. There's nothing believable about these guys being intimidating. And also, I got to there's one spot in the match that is making me cringe, but I need to know how you feel about it. Please, when, when, when MJF's standing in the middle of the ring, you know how usually sometimes one guy punches a guy, the other guy punches the other guy, and back and forth? Did that thing with the super kick bother you as much as it bothered me? That's so funny. I was just going to bring that up. That's like seven super kicks to the face. That shit pissed me the fuck off. Thank you. I mean, it straight up did. I'm like, wait, one, two, three, four, five. I'm like, why? Why is that necessary? Why did you have to sit there and super kick somebody? Super kick used to be a super kick where you hit them once and they were down. Now it's just like an afterthought. It's a mid-match thing, whatever. It's so fucking played out and stupid. And they did it over and over and over again. I'm like, this is so freaking stupid. I thought it was a dumb spot. There's no reason MJF should have took that many super kicks. Maybe one, maybe two, three, just to kind of overdo it just a little bit. But they did it like five or seven times. And I'm like, what do you guys think? I'm like, why would you do this? This is the dumbest spot I've ever seen. And there's no need for it. I mean, it's overkill. And they overkill on a pay-per-view. Why would you overkill it? If you make your move, take less hits. Like, you know, if you needed, I mean, do you really need, like, seven V-triggers to pull something off? Do you really need, like, so many super kicks? It's a super kick party. Okay, one, two, maybe. But fucking five, fucking seven. I, I, I lost count after the first two or three. I'm like, this is stupid. This and it wasn't, is dumb. And it wasn't even the fact that they were doing so many kicks that bothered me. It was the fact they are doing so many kicks. And MGF still standing up. Yeah. Like, Two or three should like. I'm sorry, unless you're like a, a like a like the fiend or maybe Goldberg or Brock Lesnar or or and I'll use an AW example, uh, Lance Archer. It should not. That's the only time you should be hitting somebody with that many super kicks and they're still standing is when you're like a monster babyface or heel, like a big badass tough guy. MJF, I love him, but he's not a big badass monster tough guy. He's just an asshole who's great at playing an asshole. And like you said before about the chemistry between him and Jericho, the one positive I have in this match is their chemistry was so amazing. I feel like they were teaming together for years and they've had like a couple tag matches together. And already they have the chemistry of like a 20 year veteran tag team. Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. The chemistry between the two, between the two. But um, I do got to add that at the end where they hit the melted driver for the win. Um, the Young Bucks did. It looks like um, Nick, he botched the Meltzer driver. When he did a flip and he came down, he missed his mark. He did. <laughs> and they won the match with it. Yes. Well, he always, he he, he, he sometimes, he, he, he sometimes misses the mark. He really does. Like, he, he really does. He really, and then like, they had the camera right on him too. So when he, when he did that, it's a replay. I'm like, why would you show a replay of that, guys? You, <laughs> 
you you guys royally screw this over. Well, cause, um, but whatever. Because well, it used to be when they would do the Meltzer driver, at least in Ring of Honor and shit, they would ne- they would always they would always pan to the hard cam. And I think it's like Max. I think Matt's the one that holds him in the tombstone position. He would always have his back to the camera, and they would pan far away. So when Nick would do the flip and land, you would think that he's actually landing on him when really he's not. So they had a good way of hiding it. Now they put the camera like right there, so you can clearly see he's not doing that. Like it's, I don't know who whoever's in charge in the AEW production truck needs to be fired because that guy is is exposing a lot of shit. That shouldn't be exposed. They don't have well, a camera I mean, guy that knows when to pan the fuck away. Well, they gotta have somebody who can sit there and do the camera work a little bit better. I mean, it's, it's some small tweaks, but at the same time, it was, I mean, there's a lot of things that are just being botched and misplaced and not angled correctly. They could, they could hide those things pretty pretty plainly, but it seems like they're refusing to. I don't, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand the, the meaning behind it, why they do that. Um, it's just kind of weird that they went with it and ended the replay. So even from the replay, they could have angled it a different way, but they decided not to. So um, it just it just didn't do any wonders for anybody. I just thought it was it was sloppy. It was stupid. I mean, most of the match was pretty good, but like if you're gonna have like a finishing segment like that, that should have been like your money shot. That should have been the one like if it was to be on camera, you have two or three different cameras. So the first camera caught the wrong spot, you go to the second or third one, but they went with the same spot for which they captured when they wanted. I'm like, this is stupid. This is dumb. Um, so no, it's, uh, I don't know. It was, it was dumb. And then obviously, you know, at the end, we're seeing some tension between the inner circle. We are going to see some more intent later on, but, um, I don't know. It was an okay match. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't think it was gonna be a five-star classic, but at the same time, I thought it would have been something more than what it was. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was just a match for a pay-per-view. It was just a match. Exactly. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have the, uh, Casino Tag Team Royale with the winners to face the Bucks for a future tag team title shot. And the tag teams we had in here were Bear Country, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, Santana and Ortiz, The Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, Top Flight, Pac and Ray Phoenix, 5 and 10 of the Dark Order, The Pretty Picture, Matt and Mike Seidel, or as Elvis called them, the Botch Brothers, fucking locked my ass off. Uh, Jurassic Express, Varsity Blondes, The Natural Nightmares, SCU, and The Gun Club. Yeah, so I guess the rules was a new team enters every 90 seconds. And um, I mean, it was okay um, for Battle Royale. I mean, it makes sense. If one, you know, at least it wasn't like, okay, one person gets eliminated, everybody gets eliminated, you know, every team for, you know, every team for itself. We had a lot of people from the Nightmare Collective. A lot of people from the dark order um it was good to see the beaver boys obviously john silver be my favorites um Pac and phoenix were a house of fire um private party were in and then fucking out um it was good to see peter avalon and cesar bononi i think that's the first time i saw him on a pay-per-view so he was pretty impressive to see kind of reminds me of um who's my favorite guy from nxt um the guy with the mustache dexter loomis yes he kind of reminds me of him in a way so it was pretty cool um Alan Angels, number five and uh, number 10. Um, it was pretty nice to see them. So Vance and Alan Angels. Um, Alan Angels was kicking ass, but even though he was the first person eliminated, I was like, yeah, fucking Alan Angels. And then first one eliminated. Um, then you have the Seidel brothers, who they're, they're botch brothers. They're runs in the family, which is pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> um, the gun club consists of Austin and Colton Gun. I didn't even know Colton was on a roster, so that's I, new to me. I didn't know Billy um, had another kid. I literally thought it was going to be Billy and... 
His son and the other kid. Well, I mean, like Austin and Colton. So I mean, is there other other kids that fucking um, Billy Gunn just fucking came out there and got some ass and got a whole bunch of girls pregnant every state pretty much. He's probably got like a little stable of little gun clubs just ready to come up. <laughs> um, oh. no, this thing wasn't bad. I mean, it had some spots. You know, everybody's sitting there doing their spots and their high marks. Um, I think the thing that kills me about the Royal Rumbles or these Battle Royals is when like they're waiting for like the last 30 seconds and you see a person just sitting there like trying to flip somebody. Like, have you ever seen anybody eliminated from like the side posts, like, you know, like all four posts when they had like two people trying to push that one guy over, he's just sitting there. It just seems like it was a big sitting game pretty much. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my foot on your knee or on your neck, whatever, for a second, try to get you out. Or the person gets like over from the top and then like they try to kick him off. It never fucking works. So it was just more like time killers, and um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Jungle Boy had a great showing. Um, also, who else? Luchasaurus did pretty awesome. Uh, uh, for some reason, when the Butcher and Blade came out, they were a house of fire for a while too. Um, and did you hear about this during the match? SCU says if they lose one more tag team match, they're gonna they're gonna hang up the tights. They're gonna hang up their boots. Yeah, this was like Dan- as this is Daniels and Kazarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah I th- so they're done. I think so. And I think it's because they've they've been a tag team for so many years and they're having a hard time, uh, you know, getting wins. It's like maybe we should hang it up if that's the case. But I, I hope they don't because, you know, AEW needs all the great tag teams they can get, even though there's because I didn't realize so many tag teams were in AEW until this battle world. There's a lot of guys in here that I either haven't seen before or rarely got any TV time. And I, I want to say this uh, with all due respect to the Death Triangle. I don't want to see. I never. I don't want to see Pac. I mean, even, I, I really. Do, I'm really having a hard time wanting to see Pac in a tag team title run. I feel like he needs to be the guy going for the solo belt, and the Lucha Bros should be tag team champions. I mean, even though. I mean, yeah, it, they want to match. They're getting the shot, but. I, I kind of agree to that notion too. Um, I just think that Pac right now with the titles with um. The top tier titles like the TNT and for the World Championship being so convoluted right now with the rankings and everything that's going on. I mean, Pac still has his record in singles, so that's still going for him. Um, I just want to have some gold. So I, I'd like him to be the first triple crown winner. Um, I'd like him to win the Tag Team Championships first, then the TNT Championship, and then the World Championship. And I think it's something doable. At least he can at least attain, attain two of those by the year 2021 is over. Um, so if that means the Young Bucks get to lose their titles to that, that triangle, I'm all for it. And uh, just based on what's happening with uh, Penta right now, which we're going to get to later on, um, I think the best ma- the best thing is going to be for them to um, dethrone the Young Bucks and become tag team champs. I think it would be great. I think it would be awesome uh, at this point because I'm, somebody needs to dethrone the Bucks. I honestly thought it would be Jericho. Well, i got to say, I gotta say, at the end of the match, uh, the last four people in this match were my favorites. Uh, Jungle Boy, um, we did have John Silver, and of course, we had Death Triangle at the end. Um, I thought it was a pretty fun spot. John Silver is really getting notoriety here on regular TV and for pay-per-views. John Silver is freaking huge. I'm a big mark for him. Um, always will be. I, th- I think he's phenomenal. He's a great wrestler. He's fun to watch. Um, brings a lot of passion and excitement to the screen. Jungle Boy is like the strong but silent type. He fights bigger than his body. That's what we need. Um, obviously, you know, with Pac and um, with Phoenix, it was too much to overcome, and our winners for the match was Phoenix, which I couldn't believe. I love Phoenix, man. He's so he's so amazing that ring. Yeah. He's probably one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, Phoenix is awesome, and uh, of course, him and Jungle Boy were the last two um, in the match, 
and both did a hell of a job. I mean, obviously, we'd already seen um, Jurassic Express uh, take on the Young Bucks, so it's nice to see a different team uh, get a title shot. And I know, I think Phoenix and like Matt Jackson are supposed to fight uh, this coming Wednesday on Dynamite. That's true. So mm-hmm. Yes, they are. So they're going to use that to kind of build up to when the tag title match is uh, taking place. Um, but I will say, we said before about John Silver, um, I'm liking the fact that John Silver is being a lot more serious in the ring. I'm starting to like that. Like I, I, I love his gimmick, and on being the elite, it works like a charm. But now when he's getting in the ring, it's like, okay, you're showing that there's more to you than just the funny. And I like that. I like I want to I want I want to see more of that from John Silver. I want to see him like when he's in the ring, I'm all business. I'm trying to win. I want to be a champion. You know, that way when you do the comedic shit, it blends together well. No, it does too. And I think like if you just watch the BT, it's one personality and you when you watch him in the ring, it's a whole different one. So um, I mean, I'm just a mark. I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big supporter of his. Uh, same thing with Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy's been nothing but amazing since he first started, and he doesn't rely on the power of Luchasaurus. He doesn't hide behind any people. He fights his own battles. Uh, he went when I want against Chris Jericho and other tag teams like the FTR, and fights his own battles. He doesn't depend on the steadiness and the and the hard work of other people to get by. <clears throat> Mark was done. Um, so um, he does what he's supposed to do, and I like Jungle Boy. He's really great at what he does. Um, Phoenix, he's just one of my favorites he's one of my top five for sure because he's just so prolific in that ring and i mean Pac. i mean what else can you say the bastard the guy's amazing you can't go wrong with him perfect i'm, I'm looking I remember, forward remember, to- remember when we were texting each other back and forth during this paper i'm like that's my pick that triangle that's my pick for the winners yeah yeah i think this is, i think this is the most that you have ever texted me like and this is and this is going all the way back to uh the mitch story like other than that, this is the most amount of time you've ever texted me in, in a night. And- well, I think what I was doing, I think my mindset was I was going to write notes. So I was like, you know, just based on my comments, I was going to base it off that. I'm like, you know what, though? Yeah. You could just recap it up my head. But, yeah, I was just writing stuff. Oh, yeah. This is him. That person's out. This person's in. That person's out. Yeah. Oh, I just yeah. got excited. So, yeah. And there was one I'm, funny I'm moment. Pretty- there was one funny thing you texted where you said, I think Phoenix broke his asshole. <laughs> That is true. He took a horrible dive, man. I don't like. I don't like that shit. I mean, Phoenix, as great as he is, he needs to learn to slow the fuck down because there's times where he looks like he broke himself, and this time, I'm pretty sure he wasn't feeling at the time, but he felt directly on his coccyx, like his tailbone, like he, yeah. like it looks like he hit it directly on like a million miles an hour. You cannot fucking do that day week in and week out. I mean, for pay per view, you, you tried your best, but someone should have caught his ass. Someone should have been there to hold him or stop him or whatever. Yeah. But he just when he decided to go a million miles an hour, so that's he's got to learn himself. I mean, I love Phoenix, but he needs to slow the fuck down. Not as much, yeah. At least not to put the brakes up, you know. At least not go like fucking fifty miles an hour out the ring when your guy's like two feet outside the ring, you know. Exactly. And I almost thought I was gonna have a Nia Jax moment where he's like, "My hole." <laughs> that's all I was saying. I was like, "Yeah, my hole." Did you know that no, happened in but, TNA uh, as well? What's that? That the whole like the whole thing about Nia. I actually read this somewhere. Somebody actually sent me a funny video, um, where when Nia Jax is on Raw and she screamed "My hole." Apparently, mm-hmm. years ago in TNA, I can't remember the wrestler's name. It was like Santana something. It's not Santana Garrett. It was somebody else. Um, apparently, at one point in a match, someone got she got locked in this submission where it like pulled her legs apart, and you actually hear her midway through the match. She's and you can find this video. She's literally screaming "My badge" in the middle of the ring. 
That's great. And that's gold right there. And someone recently took uh, a video, and I, I found this on the internet, and I'm laughing my ass off. Um, there's that. You remember? You remember? Um, in, in, back in the day, that old music video with that girl that said, "You know, my neck, my back." That song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone actually took a video with that hip with that song, and, and instead of pussy and crack, it says my vag and my hole, and just edited that in there. So it's like my neck, my back, lick my vag and my hole, and I'm just like I fall, I'm crying, laughing at this shit. Yeah, yeah internet, just be weird, just yeah. continue to be weird. It's freaking awesome. I love it. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, we're gonna move on. Uh, sp- speaking of. Uh, Speaking of badges and holes, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Uh, for the AEW <laughs> for the AEW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida defends the title against a different Rio Mitsunami. My beautiful girlfriend, Hikaru Shida, came to represent for AEW. And i got to say something about this match. I both liked and hated this fucking match. <laughs> and I'll explain to you why. Kirishita, I think, is a great, fantastic wrestler. While Ryu, uh, Miz, that's the first three letters you gotta know about this. Miz, ugh, fuck. Um, <laughs> she is, she does like the whole entertaining thing where she wants to move her hands around and move around and tries to be entertaining. Maybe something that gets over in Japan, but it does not translate well. Again, it does not translate well on American screens. Um, Rio, she was so it wasn't it's not Riho, like R-I-H-O, it's Ryo. So it's Ryo Mizami. Um, it's just that they did some of those some of those, like you know, when they grab them by the fucking shoulder and like use like their forearms and they're sitting there smiling while they're hitting each other. Um, that shit's fucking stupid. <laughs> it was so stupid. Um that, like, you know, it was like like the boo, yeah, boo. And they're doing it back and forth, and like it made no fucking sense. Like in like it's like for some reason when they're using like when they're doing headbutts, they're no selling it. It was a whole bunch of no selling, a whole bunch of shenanigans in the first part of the match. So the first segment of the match, I'm just thinking to myself, this is fucking stupid. They were shooting. I mean, they were shooting. They were hitting. Whatever. But then finally, for some reason, they transitioned from the first segment to the second segment, and that's where it became a real wrestling match. And that's when things finally got a little bit better because instead of just sitting there just like throwing like you know, strong kicks or strong, strong forearms or elbow shots or whatever. They actually fucking wrestled. And that's when the match actually got fucking better. Um, it was both for Ryo and for Hikiro, Shida. So when the match was going on, I'm like, man, you know, it finally became a wrestling match. The first part was unbearable. I, I just wanted to fucking quit. I was like, I'm done with this shit. And then finally, later on, they slowed it down. They didn't, they didn't use the same Japanese style. They're actually fighting, like, for real. I'm like, okay. Now it's a fucking wrestling match. Now it's getting good. And from both perspectives, from both the competitor, I mean, from the challenger and from the champion, they really put on a fucking house of fire. But then it got sloppy again towards the end. And when are you going to the same fucking recipe again? They were digging at the well again way too early. I'm like, my God, you start off shitty. You finally got the traction. You got the train on the tracks. Everything's going well. And they went back to the well that didn't do so well for them. So again, I both loved and hated this match because the first part sucked, the middle part was good, and at the end, like, she didn't even hit her fucking finisher. She had to sit there and knock her out with a fucking strong style kick, which I was like, what the fuck? Is that, is that how you can do it? Okay, whatever, fine. Yeah, and, and like I said, I'll be honest, um, I kind of took a break from this match, so I, I remember uh, 
Elvis said, like, if you want to make a sandwich or go take a piss, now's the time. So I went to make a sandwich and take a piss. But from what I'm seeing, I'm, like, looking at her. Like, I'm looking at a picture of this uh, Ryo girl right now. And she's basically if Miz and Asuka had a baby. It would be this girl. Like, she's literally, she's got a hairstyle like Asuka. She's wearing sunglasses like the Miz. I don't she's know. Got a ring, she's got a ring attire like uh, Asuka, but, like, more trying to be punk rockish, but not really. Yeah. It's kind of stupid, but. It is stupid. Like, this is ridiculous, and... It was dumb, and then, and then, like, you know, we had the match, and then finally, like, you know, Sheeta won the match. Thank God. And at the end, Ella Rose came out there, um, Britt Baker and Maki Ito from earlier tonight. Uh, they came out and attacked Sheeta and Rio before Thunder Rosa hits. So here's the thing. The heels are out there fucking cleaning house, like, destroying everybody. Then Thunder Rosa comes out there, and they clear the ring, like, oh, we want to mess with, with Thunder Rosa? I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't either. I know she's an awesome wrestler, but... That one person, like you guys were turning to heels. You guys, you got, you got the faces getting her ass whooped. And all of a sudden, they hear the music, and then Thunder Rosa comes out and they clear house. She didn't like lay a finger anybody. Did you have a weapon? I'm like, wait, it's like nothing. She just ran out there, and the heels tucked their tails and ran. I'm like, wait a second, what kind of storyline is this? You're telling me Thunder Rosa just came out there and made the big beast, the native beast, yes. freaking Nyla Rose run for the hills, Britt Baker. Run for the hills and Maki Ito run for the hills because Thunder Rosa came out. She's a good wrestler, but you guys had the numbers game. You guys had it right there. It was like it wasn't even going to be like an uneven match. You guys would have been evenly matched, especially with um, Nyla Rose being a big beast. Nyla Rose should not be tucking her tail and run, but she did. So I was like, what are we doing with this? I don't get this. It was so fucking weird. There's a lot of things Nyla Rose should not be doing that she's doing. Uh, but the thing is, like, I can understand. Britt Baker and Maka Ito running for the hills if Thunder Rosa comes out. Because eventually if she gets... Yeah, those two backing down I could, would make perfect sense to me. Because at some point, you know, Sheeta can get back up and it can end up being a two-on-two. But Nyla Rose, unless you got a steel chair in your hand, should not be backing down from anybody on that roster. Except maybe Lance Archer. That's about it. Like... Maybe Lance Archer and maybe Brian Cage. I'll throw in a powerhouse, Will Hobbs. None of the women, unless they got a weapon in their hand, should be backing down Nyla Rose under any circumstances. This is why people have a hard time taking shit seriously because nothing is believable. Like, that is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, Nyla Rose should not be, is supposed to be this intimidating, big ass person, woman, whatever the fuck she is. Should not be. Nala Rosa just looked at Thunder Rosa and been like, "Are you kidding me?" And just beat her ass. Even if the other two ran away, Nala should still be standing in that ring. And if she does walk away, it's on her own accord, and she's like taunting her, like, "I'll deal with you later" or something like that. Like, do it in an arrogant way. No retreating and running for the hills like this. If you want to know why people can't take your division seriously, this is why. Yeah, it's booked poorly, and I don't think it any favors for anybody. Yeah, you showed like, okay, so let's say Vicky Guerrero has uh, Nyla Rose, Maki Ito, and you have Britt Baker on her same stable, but the fact that you guys came out there, you know, broke down the fucking faces, and then as soon as one person comes out there who's half the size of Nyla Rose come out there, and they run for the hills, I'm like, okay, this, this segment was stupid. You guys could have done so much more with this, and you guys did, did it the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was, I just... Yeah. And I know some, so much people, more. I was gonna say, some people could say the same. I know some people are going to say that are going to comment on this. You're going to say the same thing about, well, 
Well, all of Team Taz backed down from Sting. Yeah, but he had a bat in his hand. He at least came out with a weapon. You know, so that made some level of sense. This she came out with nothing. Just her bare hands. Get, I'm gonna take everybody out. She came out with face paint. That's about it. So I was like, <laughs> all right, so it's like, ooh, the day the dead makeup. Ooh, I don't mess with that bitch. <laughs> she not come out with with paint. And then on that note, we moved on to the next match of the evening. God help us all. Uh we have uh the gamers, that's what I'm calling them. Miro and Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford versus the best friends, and not the, and neither one of them is the good one. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Well, I mean, it started off with like Miro and um, no, it was Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy in the back. They're being um, interviewed by uh, Alex Marvez, everybody's favorite ring announcer. Um, and then they're talking, and Chuck Taylor trying to look all tough. He's like, "Yo, I'm ready. I'm pumped. You know, kick some ass and take names." And Chuck, you know, Orange Cassidy was sitting there doing OC things. Um, and then Miro came out there and slammed uh, uh, Chuck Taylor's face into the concrete, and then he threw his ass into some glass, which is awesome. And I, was, I started thinking to myself, Miro is what I would be a wrestler, and what I'd do to Chuck Taylor if I was in the business with him. Um, and then he beat the shit out of him in the backstage. He dragged him into the ring and just pretty much lay a, a beating down to him. So Orange Cassidy's still in the back. He doesn't, he's not part of the match at all. Miro comes out there, he's laying the waste freaking chuck taylor and then kip Sabian came in and he had a plethora of fucking moves and he looked very impressive i would have to say for the first part of this and then all of a sudden orange cassidy comes out there stumbling selling like he just got his butt kicked you know like really bad and then miro's like oh i'm gonna go out there and finally take orange cassidy out and then what happens orange cassidy decides to kip up and do a, an orange punch or fruit punch or whatever the fuck he calls it and lands it on fucking Miro, and Miro sold like an orange casting. Chuck Taylor take advantage for a while, and then finally Rusev just like I mean Rusev, <laughs> I can't stop calling him that. Um, Miro just says, "This I'd say, you know what? Don't fuck this. I'm not going to play around with this guy no more." I mean, they the, the faces did everything they can, but let's just say Miro just whooped them like beat the brakes out of these assholes, and um, it went down one, two, three. We got the accolade. Uh, Taylor taps out, and Miro and Sable finally win, but uh, Sabian finally win. But the weird thing is, before the end, um, Miro pushed Chuck Taylor into Penelope Ford, and she hit the rail. So, like, Miro did not give two fucks about pushing Chuck Taylor into Penelope Ford, which is ob- obviously going to turn into the Miro versus Kip Sabian food feud. Because, first of all, I wanted this feud to be over a long time ago. And finally, Kip Sabian is fucking be be lifted from Miro so he can finally go out and do his own fucking thing like he should have done a long time ago. Because this has done nothing but waste everybody's fucking time with Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, and Kip Sabian. Because Miro is a bigger star than all those three put together. Hell, even play Ford. Yeah, and the best part about it is, hopefully if he can back away from Kip Sabian, they can focus less on the fact that he's a Twitch gamer and more on the fact that he's an ass kicker. And they can focus more in that general direction. Because well, I don't care if he's a gamer. I mean, I don't care if he's a gamer, but fucking do something in the ring. And tonight was the first time I actually saw Miro be Miro. Um, so it was definitely a, a good sight to see that, okay, he doesn't care who he hurts or who he destroys as long as he gets what he wants. And that's exactly what I wanted. And we finally got, after all these months, we finally get what we want. Yeah, and that's, like I said, hopefully good things. Because now they're finally going to build Miro 
to a point we can take him seriously in. On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, the big money match where the winner receives the loser's 2021 first quarter earnings. Hangman Adam Page versus big money Matt Hardy. Uh, yeah, well, you just uh, you missed something before we get into today. Alex Marvez, like, of course, of his infinite wisdom, he was interviewing Jericho and MGF backstage. Um, you know, Jericho says after the pay-per-view that, you know, we're better than the Young Bucks and the inner circle has been through so much in the past couple of weeks. And he goes like this coming Wednesday, they're going to make a few changes. MGF, without blinking, says, yeah, MGF says he has been thinking about this for a while. And he says it's definitely time for a change. So we all know what that means, folks. The Wednesday, Jericho is being kicked out of fucking inner circle come Wednesday. Really? You think that's yeah. where they're going? That's exactly where they're going to because Chris Jericho was the one that lost it. He um he just affected Wartlow. Um he I know he you know, he's been like ever since uh Jericho lost the championship, he's nothing been he's been a like unknowingly, he's been a thorn in the side of the inner circle. He got himself into a tag team tournament where the um, Pride and Powerful is going to be on there. I think MJF has video roles to like show how Jericho has been nothing but um, sabotaging everybody else in the inner circle for his own personal benefits, and everybody else has been suffering because of it. Okay. Um, I mean, you got you, you got months of role to show that. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good point. I'd be cool if it goes that way. But since Jericho hit Wardlow with the Judas effect. Do you think maybe if they don't go that Jericho route, could it also be they're going to kick Wardlow out? No, I don't think so. And probably blame Wardlow him? Was trying to help out. Oh, Wardlow was trying to help out in the match. And then, okay. um, of course, Jericho inadvertently hit a Wardlow with uh, Judas effect, but unless it was still hit. So that's still caught on tape. That's something they could use against Jericho to show, well, you've been an asshole. You're the one who's been bringing this team down. We've been trying to stay together. Uh, you know, we had set tag teams, and you guys want to, you just want to make your own tag team. You know, you're the lead champion. You got to be the one with the most focus when we have talented people right here. We have Pride and Powerful who are our tag team champion. You know, we could have done this, you could have done that, but you're more thinking about yourself. And that's, I think that's the ride they're going to take. Because Jericho, okay. I think come come Wednesday, it's Jericho's last day being inner circle, even though he started the thing. So it'd be pretty funny. Okay, that'd be interesting. And also with Sammy G no longer in the group, that could that could potentially cause a reconciliation between. Uh, Jericho and Sammy G. You mean the sex gods? The yeah, sex because he lets sex yeah. gods bat together. Oh, we might see that, but you know what, though? We got to let this play off first and see what happens. So I'm looking sure. forward to it. All right. And so on that note, uh, we got Adam Page and Matt Hardy. The stupidest stipulation for a fucking <laughs> match ever. Like, do we really know how much Matt Hardy makes? We already know how much how much Adam Page makes. We already know what they make in the first quarters. Is there some kind of report that shows how much Matt Hardy makes? Because I'm pretty sure make a big money Matt Hardy makes way more than Adam Page just because he's a legend and what have you. So um, this is the stupidest fucking stipulation. Now, it was a good match. I liked it. Um, Hangman on Page always brings it. Matt Hardy, um, he's got a limited uh, wrestling ability, I, just to my own opinion. he doesn't. He, he's never really branched out from what he did years ago. He's got a couple new things here and there but mostly it's the same matt hardy show um but I, i'm really digging his big money matt hardy gimmick i think it's pretty fun um obviously we had isaiah cassidy and uh 
what the fuck's his name? Uh, uh, Marcus Quinn yeah. out there uh, doing some distractions, causing some shenanigans, um, which also leads to the Dark Order coming out and helping out um, Hangman and a page of certain spots. So it was pretty fun. It was good to kind of see that everybody get involved. Dark Order still ne- not, never really being um, over Hangman and a page. And now they're all best friends and good friends, which always brings a tear to my eye because, you know, if you watch Being the Elites, John Silver and all his motherfuckers out there just love hanging on a page you love them to death they want to be like not only part of dark order but just to be friends with them um it's a stupid storyline it's a stupid stipulation but god damn it i had a good time watching this match so this is definitely one of the funnest matches i've seen to start the match off i'm the night off yeah i mean it was like i said after the two mat after the two you know uh, abominations to come back to this was amazing and what i loved about it was and i did text elvis this my favorite moment in the match is Adam Page going for the buckshot lariat and Matt Hardy countering it into the side effect. I thought was fluid. It was brilliant. It made sense. And I had, and to my knowledge, you can tell me if I'm wrong, I had never seen anyone counter the buckshot lariat. At least not in AEW. That's true. So it was pretty it was a pretty welcome side. I thought it was a pretty good match. I mean, it was pretty well together. I always think Adam Page always brings the best out of people, and Matt Hardy, you know, likewise, he does the same. So to have such a great dance partner to do something great like that, it's always it's always gonna be a welcome sight. So it was a fun match. I mean, it was the first good match of the fucking night. Um, you know, um, I can't say everything could be gold, but at the same time, the first couple of them, I'm not sure why EW does that when it comes to pay per views. Um, I don't know, but this was definitely one of the first ones. This is the one you have to watch. Yes. Uh, when you watch a pay-per-view. So if you're to you watch it again, just watch this one. Because the other two were, I mean, I want you to watch it just to see if I'm wrong. Because, you know, maybe I like a certain style you don't and whatever. But, I mean, just based on my experience, what I've been seeing, I just wasn't happy with the first, with the previous matches. And this one was definitely one of the first ones that were fun to watch. And I was like, okay, I could really get into this pay-per-view now. And on that note, we'll move on to the next match of the evening, the face of the Revolution ladder match with the winner to get a future... Uh, AEW TNT Championship match against Darby Allen. We have Scorpio Sky, Cody Rhodes, Pentagon, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and the surprise entrant, Ethan Page. All ego, Ethan Page. You know who Ethan Page is? Uh, I've heard the name, but I don't know too much about him. But I know you were over the moon excited when his when he came out. Well, I mean, like, I'm really excited because, like, he's an Impact. Um, he's uh, one half of a tag team called the North and Impact. Um, so that's a tag team I wanted to see um, both him and his partner. I think it's Alexander Wolf or something. Um, I wanted to see them face FTR because the North is fucking awesome. Now, all ego Ethan Page by himself is fucking awesome. He's from Canada. He's one of those Canadian wrestlers. Um, super awesome. Super great to watch. Um, so as soon as he came out, I'm like, that fucking makes sense. And I mean, as soon as I saw him, like he's great as a tag team, but I could definitely see um, a singles run in him. I mean, he has before. He was, you know, he did other stuff like too, um, like an evolve or whatever. He had some great bouts with like Tommaso Ciampa and some other great wrestlers too. So um, I like Ethan Page, super fun wrestler to watch. So if he is to be on our TV screens, keep an eye out for this guy because this guy's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and of course the latter match was. I had a love-hate relationship with this ladder match. Um, I loved... Uh, there were a lot of spots in the match that I enjoyed, but also I'm noticing that every time they do a ladder match like this, somebody keeps getting injured. It's like, 
and it's always somebody that is actually of value to the company. Like it's not somebody where if they're off TV, you're not going to miss them. Like at one point it looked like Cody was like seriously hurt. And I'm like, if he's off TV, you're that that's, that's a low blow to AEW because he it's, is I, one of the I, most I over guys. Funny. I just think it's funny because like they had the brass ring match, which is a, a common, like one of the oldest common phrases in WWE. You got to grab the brass ring kid. And uh, their brass ring was a fucking golden uh, life preserver, which I think was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was fucking great. It was a fucking, it was a life preserver. It looked like one of those Sonic rings from Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Like, the um, no, but the thing is, like, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, like having like, I, th- I think the, the true, the true star of this, which I didn't think was going to be a big impact, was Max Caster. I think Max Caster had the best outing in this match. Now, now Lance Archer looked like a fucking beast. Cody Rhodes, he sold like anybody else can because he's like he's like Dolph Ziggler when it comes to selling. He could sell that arm like it's fucking being ripped off. Um, Penta, El, El Cero, Mer- Merdo, whatever. We all know how great Penta is. The same thing with Scorpio Sky. And thank God Scorpio Sky finally gets his fucking dude because this match was based all around him. There was a point where he went through a fucking um, a ladder on the outside when uh, Lance Archer threw him out. And I thought, okay, Scorpio Sky is fucking dead. He ain't waking up. He's taking a nap. He's gonna be down there for like ten minutes. <laughs> um, but I thought it was. I, I I thought it was. I thought it was super fun. I thought it was a great ladder match. I, I wasn't like it's not something that's gonna stand the test of time. But for the other stinkers we had earlier tonight, though, this definitely like stood out. And it was a ladder match, and you had a lot of fun, charismatic people, a lot of fun spots where I mean, we've all seen people going through tables and people going through like ladders and chairs and oh my, all that fun stuff. But <laughs> for a ladder match, I thought that was pretty good. Um, a lot of good spots. They chose to do less with more, which I think it's always important. Um, there was some missed spots, like I know Penta did like. Um, uh, what's it called? A sling blade, or yeah, a sling blade, whatever, on uh, Archer with the ladder, and it was a missed spot. I mean, it's kind of hard to do these spots with ladders, nonetheless. Um, but still, I thought it was really fun. And Max Caster, boy, man, if you guys are not a fan of him, his, his yet, aside from his rap, his rap is fucking awesome. I, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I think him rapping, coming to the stage, and cutting out those little beats he comes out with, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's better, better than fucking Enzo, better than Cena. Sorry to say it there, Vinny. Um, but just like the small little time he has on there, I think he's super fun to watch, you know, especially in this kind of audience. I mean, I'll say he's super fun to watch, but to say he's better than those two, that's, that's a bold statement, bro. That's a bold statement. um, Well, let's, I'll tell you what though. Keep your eyes peeled on this guy. Don't, don't sleep on this guy because this guy is like, he is like Ricky Starks. It's going to be like, those two have futures where they're going to be fucking huge. So I'll eat my words if I have to later on, but I'll 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 put my I'll put some bets on Max Caster. I think he's going to be one of those stars that's going to rise up here with the next six months. You'll see. Right. Um, you know, with, with his promos, his ring work, and I think he looked like a fucking stud out there today. Um, now, obviously, this match, Cody got hurt. Looks like his elbow was going out. He was supposed to go out through the the entrance, but you can always see him in the background. So I thought he was going to pull some kind of shenanigans where he'd come back at the last second and yeah. win it, which. As much as I love Cody Rhodes, I fucking love the man. He is great at what he does, but I did not want him to see. I didn't want to see him as TNT champion again. I did not want to see that fucking happen at all. So they came out there and Scorpio Sky fucking hit him a couple times and threw him off the fucking ladder. And Scorpio Sky picked up the fucking brass ring. I could not be happier for a better wrestler. Now, obviously, he's got a new attitude shift or whatever. looks like he's 
kind of got this cockily attitude. Maybe it's a heel turn. I don't know. Maybe it looks like we're itching towards that. Um, but so be it, man. Scorpio Sky deserves so much more than we've been given so far. Yeah. And if his face run didn't go the way it's supposed to, God, I'd love to see him as a fucking heel. I want to see if we can pull it off one and B, get his fucking due, man, because Scorpio Sky is fucking awesome. Absolutely. And he definitely deserves the uh the TNT title. He deserves to be in a solo spot. Cause like we said before, out of all the members of SC out of the three guys on SCU, no one deserves a singles run more than he does. It makes logical sense. And as far as where Cody can go, um, I'm thinking there's two routes, one of two routes he needs to take at this point. And one is, because I forgot to mention this during the tag team battle royal, but I'll mention it now. Um, we saw the, I think we saw the breakup of the natural nightmares. Oh, that's right, though. We saw QT Marshall, which this is probably the, the most interesting part of QT Marshall's fucking life. First of all, he got his credit cards maxed out by the bunny, which no one gave two fucks about. He's been so bland. I saw water that had more personality than QT Marshall. <laughs> yes. And then finally, he turned on Dustin. He threw himself out of the fucking ring for the thing, whatever. And still, I just don't care. QT Marshall has the personalities of, of a fucking Dyson vacuum. It just yeah. sucks and sucks and sucks, dude. Exactly. And, but I think with them breaking up, here's the, with, now that they've broken up, here, there's one of two routes I want to see Cody go. The first route is him and Dustin reform the Brotherhood, and they become the tag team champions together. Or you set Cody up for a heel turn and get him that world title. Pick a route. I, I don't care which one, but that's those are the routes he needs to take. He is done with the TNT championship. He's done everything he can for it. Um... And with all due respect to uh, the late Brody Lee, Cody is the best TNT champion of all time. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, obviously, I'm sorry for the loss of Brody Lee, but you're not going to call him the greatest TNT champion ever just because he passed away. I can't. That No, sorry. Cody is it. Well, this is, this is the right I'm going to take on this one. Now with the newly formed. So remember last week on TNT, on Dynamite, we had FTR and we had a surprise person and Sean Spears. Yeah. We had Tully. We had J.J. Dillon. And also the Arn Anderson came out throughout the four. Yeah. I think, I think that's a signal over that Cody Rhodes is going to be a horseman. Or they're going to do their own version of the horseman. They're going to do their own version. It'll be Cody Rhodes, Sean Spears, and FTR. Who and why not? I would, I would, I would save that for a number one contender match and give Cody, like... That's how I like I would do something where at some point, and this is how I would do it. This is how I would set it up. Um, I would have I would somehow arrange it to where Cody has to face MJF one on one, and if Cody can beat MJF, they can lift the ban and give him the title shot. No, I just think if they're gonna heal it up, he says he doesn't give a fuck about the fans oh, yeah. anymore. He's just gonna do it anyway. Or he could have something where, like, it looks like it's going to be a heel match, and he can do something where it can be like Cody just has the horseman come out and just beat the hell out of MJF, and he beats him or something like that. Or he can say, fuck it, uh, either way. But I would say, like, go through that, form that horseman group, and Cody chases the belt. It would be fucking great. Um, but that's just that was just an idea. But anyway, I like that horseman thing. Um, and then, of course, after that, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have, we have ourselves a little street fight with uh, – Darby Allen and Sting 
versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks of Team Taz. But before we get to that, you forgot something that everybody was waiting for all fucking week. Oh, God. We had a surprise signing of a new AEW superstar, a legend in the making. I guess it's going to be Christian Cage. Christian Cage makes his entrance, signs a piece of paper, doesn't say a fucking word, and leaves out. What is your take on Christian Cage signing with AEW? Okay. Um... I, I have one question. Why? Um, I'm probably in the, I am I know okay, no, I don't probably I know I am in the minority on this one. That was anticlimactic to me because it for those of you who may not know, I have a whole video on my personal YouTube channel about why Christian is not a Hall of Famer. So when you tell me Hall of Fame level star and Christian walks out, the wind's already out of my sails by the time he walks out to the ring. Because I I don't see Christian as a Hall of Famer by himself. He has, nothing has impressed me, and I know you're going to give me a list of all his championships. I've already debunked every single one of them about why this guy's not a Hall of Famer. So I was disappointed. But here's my question, though. If, like, because this guy literally came back in the Royal Rumble in WWE, it looked like they were going to do WWE was going to do something with him and he jumped ship to AEW. So unless you're going to put unless Tony Khan has some long-term plan cuz I don't know how long his contract is to at some point put the AEW World Heavyweight title around the waist of Christian Cage, Christian is wasting his time. Because there's I don't know any other value or reason to sign him because what to make him the TNT champion that that's a waste for Christian. You don't you don't take a big star and make him your mid card champion. That's a slap in the face. What's he gonna do? Be a tag team wrestler? Been there, done that, bought the t shirt. Like I said, that's pretty much his biggest contribution to the business is being a tag team guy. If you want to make him a tag team, stay in WWE, reunite with Edge. At least then people will be excited to see that. No one's gonna be excited to see Christian team up with uh, the a, a random indie guy, um, and the only other thing, what's he gonna do? Be a teacher backstage? Like, okay, we have one more big veteran that want to teach a bunch of people that don't really want to learn. Like, what, what, what value is Christian bringing? Like, I, that's what I want to know. I could be wrong in all of this, but unless you're making him a world champion, and that's your plan, I don't know what Christian Cage is bringing to the table that's gonna excite people. Other than seeing Christian just wrestle, like I think I think he's got like a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the business with a lot of people being there. And you're right, maybe the younger talent aren't too privy about maybe learning about a lot of different things, but it doesn't mean that you can't have the teachers there for different styles because each superstar Hall of Famer who's been with, who's been in the business, you know, 10, 15 plus years, um, being in a business, I mean, that's still going to have a lot of things that impact your show either being from storylines, different mindsets, um, training, um, different angles. I mean, having, you know, people like Paul White, like Sting, um, you know, Jerry Lynn in the background, Billy Gunn, all these different people. I'm, they're big names, too. So I'm not saying Christian Cage is like a, a meter changer. I mean, they made it seem like it was going to be something huge and something crazy. I mean, it's still a big name unless You took a WWE guy from WWE when they're trying to hold all the pieces when it comes to legends hall of famers anybody else that has some kind of notoriety and even though you are in the minority of people who do not like a christian cage 
Um, actually, he has a big following online, especially in the IWC. So having that person on their show actually brings a lot to him. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to move the needle like it's going to win a ratings war or anything. But you got to remember, the ratings war, when it came, when it came from WCW to WWE, um, started little by little, taking one piece at a time. And eventually, you, you take enough pieces, that tower's going to fall. Um, it's all about being patient and seeing what's going to happen. So I don't see a, a world title picture for Mr. Christian Cage. I just don't see it happening. I don't see um, Kenny Omega losing that title anytime soon. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens with that match tonight. Um, but in the future, whoever the champion might be, I don't see whoever champ or whoever's a champion going to move up the ranks. And even if Christian was to work up the ranks and get his record going on, I don't know, is he active? Is he going to be able to perform with these younger guys? Is he going to have a new finisher? Because God knows his finisher fucking sucks. It's the worst. <laughs> I mean, it's the worst thing. You literally have to take a person, turn them around, and drop on their fucking head. It is like the most unimpressive move I've seen. I've seen a lot of unimpressive moves. Um, I've seen a point finger poke of death. Um, so it's... <laughs> uh, uh, there's a lot of things that Christian Cage may have to do that's different, but I'm not sure. I mean, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious to see what he brings to the table, and I guess only time will tell because at the current moment, I mean, it wasn't a letdown, it wasn't a big letdown, but at the same time, it wasn't something I was like, oh, Christian Cage is here. That's really gonna make Vince McMahon, you know, you know, ruffle his feathers and say, well, oh man, I can't believe we just lost that guy. I mean, he's probably like, who? Exactly. Like that was why. I, it was anticlimactic because they were saying they made it seem like holy shit, this is gonna be a big. This, this was gonna be like a massive deal. Like if they just said we have a new signing and he's gonna debut. Like they set the bar unrealistically way too high. Like it's a bar that Christian does not reach. I just hope that I just hope they don't pull like the same TNA bullshit. It's like oh, we have a big announcement next week. We have a big signing next week and. Is they'll, they'll make it a habit, you know. Um, I'll take this one. I was like, okay, it is a big sign. IWC people love them. Um, I can't say I was the biggest Christian Cage fan, even in TNA or Impact, whatever it was back then. Um, WWE, obviously, we loved him when he was with um, with Edge. Um, his singles run was more of a crybaby, uh, dipshit, um, you know, pussy fucking champion, pretty much. Um, but I mean, it worked for him, and he got his due. He got his championship. Like, he won two of them, so that's good. He yeah. got one in over an impact, and he got one over in WWE. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer, nonetheless. Um, but at the same time, like uh, I, I'm just curious to see what happens. I don't, I don't think it's a big signing. I think it's good for good for the company, I guess, because they took a piece away. I don't think it's a piece that's really going to topple an empire. We need some other big pieces to take that empire down, and we need to. Straighten out our fucking pay-per-views because this was not the greatest showing. But one thing that was really fucking awesome seeing was a fucking street fight between Sting yes. and Darby Allen and Team Taz. It shit was fucking awesome. I think this is the first cinematic. Well, no, the first cinematic was fucking garbage. Never mind. I remember that. That shit. was uh, that was Matt Hardy and Emmy G. Well, that too. But then we had that Britt Baker. Oh yeah, that one too. Oh god, yes, yes, that's oh, right. Geez, I just. Dude, I wanted to punch myself in the taint. We after all did. That one. We all did. Um, this is pretty cool. I think the beginning of it with like the skateboard, um, with the druids—not the really druids, but the hoodlums—they kept calling the hood, them and the hoodlums. Uh, yeah, Ricky Starks being, you know, Ricky Starks being picked up in a fucking um, that fucking car, that beautiful fucking BMW uh, by Brian Cage. Um, you know, they went to the ring. It was all smoky. It was like really cinematic, and I thought it was pretty cool, man. Uh, I thought it was really fun. Um, of course, it's kind of style that. Sting, I'm pretty sure, had to do because of his age, whatever, and 
he went for a very long time in this match. I'm not sure how long ago they taped this one, but it was really fucking good. It was well done. Uh, it just seemed like Darby Allen just got his ass whooped throughout the whole fucking match. He was thrown so many times. If I had done a drinking game for each time he got tossed around, I'd have been fucking dead right now. Yeah, and it's another thing about the believability that bothered me. It was like, okay, you're going to divide up the fighting. As far as I'm concerned, Sting and Brian Cage should have been going, should have been fighting back and forth, and Darby Allen and Ricky Starks should have been fighting back and forth. Instead, you're going to do the big man, little man thing and just have Darby Allen get the shit beat out of him a bunch of times. Like, I did... If the, if the goal of this is to get me behind Darby Allen, they are failing miserably because it's not no. I'm just I'm not. Like I it's like I'm watching it's like if if you shrank Mick Foley in the dryer and gave him liposuction and painted his face, it'd be Darby Allen. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm not I I'm just saying I'm like he's becoming more famous for the bumps he takes than the bumps he gives. And yeah, that does point. not a that's talent a make. Point. And, like, Sting I liked in this match because he actually was putting up a fight, and they showed him in a believable fashion. Um, there were aspects of it I liked. Um, and then at one point when, um, like, this, this is the part I thought was really stupid, was you had a guy come out in a mask that was already on Team Taz. And the mask looks stupid. And it, there was no... If, if someone comes out in a mask, I expect a shocking reveal when the mask comes off. If I'm not shocked by who's under that mask, you wasted my time with the mask. I, I hate like, that. Yeah, we know, we, we know it's powerhouse house. We know it's you. We, I mean, we, we know your body... Like, like, the way your body's structured. You're big... Like, you're brick house, dude. So yeah. who else could it be? And, like, all of a sudden, it's Taz's son. And, like, what's even worse about that whole fucking match? Aside, I mean, like, I like the match. It was pretty fun. The worst part of it was fucking Taz's commentating. Oh, my God. Taz, I swear to God, I swear he forgets what the English language is. He fucks up words all the fucking time. Like, I watch uh, Botchamania, like, you know, like, from time to time. Yeah. And just like, there's a whole segment dedicated just to him just fucking up words, not knowing the English language. And just making shit up as he goes. It's like, what the, what the, what the fuck are you talking about, Taz? Like, what, Taz, what the hell? I don't know what it is, but the guy is so fucking stupid. He's yeah. so dumb. I hate hearing him talk. It's almost as bad as hearing fucking like Excalibur talk. Oh like, God, dude, you're so like, I can't, I can't like the three people I can't stand commentating. I read listen to Jim Ross with a hoarse voice like he had tonight talking instead of Excalibur, Taz. And Alex Marvez. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't with those guys. I, can't I cannot either. with those fuckers. Yeah. Jim Ross gets a pass because clearly his voice was messed up and he came and, and he's trying to be a man and show up, up to work. So I give him a pass. Yeah. And then the thing is like, Taz fucks up all the fucking time. And I don't, I don't understand his appeal. Like, back in FTW days, yeah, he was good. Like, that was a, that was a special breed. ECW. Okay. Awesome. And ever since he became a color commentary, he just can't. He's been with companies for a long time, like when he was um, doing commentating for like um, SmackDown and when he was commentating for Impact and all these different places. It's almost like he doesn't know the wrestler he's managing, the wrestler he's commentating about. He doesn't know details about like all these things and he just makes things up as he goes. I'm like, what is like, like 
are we watching the same thing? Because Taz, you're fucking retarded, and you get paid by this company to know these people. Don't you hang out with these people after hours and go have a steak dinner, or go play pool, or have a drink or two? Like you don't know, like you don't know their characters. Like I know I'm a wrestling fan, I'm a wrestling fucking nerd, but you don't know your shit. Fuck you. Exactly, and I will say I'm glad you brought that up because this is the only the only other complaint that I'll give. I don't like commentary, period, during cinematic matches. Maybe it's just me, but the cinematic match should just be the cinematic match. No commentary. Absolutely absolutely right, because it it really takes away. It's like you're having a play-by-play for something that was preemptively pre-recorded before. It takes away from it. Yeah. It's It's like Taz is like, Come on, Ricky. Come on, Ricky. You can do this. Oh, man, Ricky went down. Yeah, you, you, he's like, yeah, you get him, uh, you get him um, Brian Cage, or what's um Cage, whatever. Yeah. yeah you, you destroy him. You destroy him. Oh, come on, Ricky. You can do this. Oh, Ricky fell down again. I'm like, dude, you sound like a fucking kid. You sound like a little yeah. kid. And, and I will say this. I, when Hook came out, I took one look at Hook, and, I, and the first thought that came into my mind was, this match would have been ten times more believable if he had teamed up with Brian Cage instead of Ricky. Because Hook and Darby Allen are practically the same body type. That's a more convincing, believable match to me. I need to have, yeah, we need to have, um, we need to have Darby Allen dethroned as well, too. I, I can't get behind Darby Allen. Um, you're right. He's not believable. I can't go behind him. Um, it just, I, I don't believe him as a champion. He just got his ass whooped the whole time. Yeah. And like, yeah, he's a, he's a glutton for pain. Okay, cool, man. But maybe you should do a hardcore match or maybe have a hardcore championship or something. You'd be great at that. But yeah. The TNT championship, I don't think he's a great representation for that championship. I think the TNT championship's like elevated poor. It's been yeah. devaluated since he's held it. And the thing is, like, it's, if it wasn't for his match, I would have forgot he was TNT champion. It's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, I just don't think Darby Allen's a good representation of the title because he doesn't present it with pride. He wants to look, he wants to fucking like soak in the fucking rafters because like fucking life is pain. Shut the fuck up, man. Like you yeah. choose, you chose that life. Um, I know it's got to suck to put that makeup all the time, and you know, probably being emo is not the best thing ever. But nonetheless, like, why don't you just you know represent the title better or we need yeah. to have somebody else be champion i don't care who the exactly. fuck it is and who is it scorpio sky yeah i hope to god scorpio sky fucking wins that championship this coming tuesday because i think scorpio sky will bring more prestige to that fucking title he'll probably fight it way better than darby he allen will. so i think it's time for a change yeah as far as i'm concerned darby allen had two great moments in this match the first one was when he tossed the bat to sting when they were coming at him with like that shovel and shit and Sting finally took everybody out with the bat. And then when he did that elbow drop to Brian Cage, that's it. Other than that, Darby Allen did nothing interesting. No, in, the end, in the end, when he fucking fell through like six stories of fucking shit. So um, hopefully he's too banged up and Scorpio Sky whooped his monkey ass and it's fucking done. <laughs> and we have a new champion in fucking Scorpio Sky because yeah. Scorpio Sky deserves a fan. And Darby Allen just, I mean, dude, like I said before, he doesn't have to be a big bodybuilder. He needs to beef up, dude. He needs to beef up a little because he's not believable. And I mean, I don't know what it is, but like, he's just—he's not doing it for me. He needs to like that—that coffin drop is fucking garbage. If he had more mass and more weight, it looked like it'd do more damage. But him just falling on his back just looks like he's just 
falling on his back because the wind blew him over. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we get to the end of this thing with um, it's down to Sting and Ricky Starks. Sting eventually hits that Scorpion Death Drop, gets the one, two, three, and wins the match for his team, which made me happy because all I kept thinking is if Ricky Starks pins Sting, I am going to flip my shit because when Sting came to sign with AEW, everybody was happy, and I've heard Jericho and a bunch of people talk about how WWE mistreated Sting so badly, and he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong. But I said, is AEW going to treat him better? Because we're about to find out. And the answer is, so far, yes. They did. They let him get that Scorpion Death Drop, pin Ricky Starks, and Sting and Darby Allin win this match. And now the big question is, where does Sting go from here? And I'm intrigued with that as well. I want to see. Are we going to see a title reign in Sting's future? Is Who else is he going to feud with? Who else does he want to feud with? Who can he work with? Like, that's... I want to know what the next chapter is for Sting. I don't know. Um, hopefully, when Darby Allen loses his championship, Darby Allen goes off the rails, Sting tries to help him, and eventually just fights him. I yeah. think that's the next bet. And on that note, uh, we're going to move on to the main event of the evening. Oh, dear God. An exploding barbed wire death match. Yes, you heard that correctly. <laughs> For the AEW World Championship, Kenny Omega with Don Callis defends the title against John Moxley. The Death Rider, John Moxley. Um, All right, so, you know, I love Kenny Omega, folks. I do. This match was awesome. It was fun to watch because I'm not really crazy for these exploding barbed wire death matches. Um, I remember the last match they had was like a barbed wire match whatever that thing that was unsanctioned i thought yeah, that was i quit match fun. i quit match but it was unsanctioned they yeah had like the bob wire fucking contraption they had listen this thing was hard to watch um, a lot of spots where it's kind of like it makes you uneasy to watch it um i do gotta say this though for you to tell me there's gonna be exploding bob wire i didn't know what to expect and then i saw this i was like you guys did not hide the fucking rigging for your fireworks show <laughs> um it was a it was just so it seems like every time they threw an Irish rip to the ropes, then the the fireworks blew up. Um, it wasn't an explosion. It wasn't C four. Um, I mean, it was gruesome to watch because you know the barbed wire you can't fake that. Um, when you see the fireworks, they just they just played it off like nothing. Um, it was okay. Um, like. I just I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, this, well, the the match is pretty good. I, I guess I expect a little bit more from Kenny. I expect a little more from John. And don't get me wrong, they got bloodied up. And I think for the type of match they had was fitting for those two. It just wasn't my cup of tea, I guess you would say, because I expected more of these two guys for being just like a a wrestling machine. Uh, I guess like both these guys were nominated for being the best wrestler in the year. Like well, I think Kenny Omega was the year previously, and then we had John Moxley the year before. Like just I just passed. Yeah. Um. So being the best wrestler of the year in Washington, it didn't live up to my expectation because of the crazy match they had before. Oh, I guess you can do. I mean, there's a lot to do with the hardcore match unless you're really privy or really, you know, unless you're really happy with being a, a hardcore wrestling fan. Um, this wasn't my cup of tea, and the, the explosions weren't an explosion. They were just on the outside, and it was like little 
just like smoke i like smoke fireworks i guess yeah. is the best way to say it though and it was kind of fucking stupid um and at the end obviously you know uh, they're going i mean they had some cool little bouts where they landed in, in barbed wire but it was nothing what i wanted it to be and it was kind of fucking stupid um the only thing i can say is that uh Kenny Omega did hit a one-wing angel, and then Jed Moxley hit the ropes, and when he hit the ropes, it activated another fucking bomb. I don't know. It was so wishy-washy and so hokey, I guess, the best way to say it. It was really fucking hokey, this match was. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't what I wanted to be. And obviously, the Good Brothers come out there, and they they had a bat that had a fireworks on it, too. They decided to throw them over to that one. Um. Kenny Omega hits the V trigger. He puts him in a one wing angel, and then boom, it's done. Um, and still champion Kenny Omega. But here's the thing that gets me after the fucking match, and you have to agree with me. I think you and I laughed it off so hard. So there has a countdown before the ring's supposed to explode, you know, like fire and brimstone. So we're thinking like all the worst. So Kenny Omega, the good brothers, they fucking hightail out of the fucking ring. And it's like another 10 more seconds. So then Eddie Kingston comes out there. <laughs> and like he's, I think it was like 20 seconds. He's trying to get like mocks out, trying to get mocks out because he was handcuffed by the Good Brothers. He couldn't get out in time. So Eddie Kingston jumps on top of Moxley to protect him from the grenades or from the explosions. And all we had was like a couple sparklers and some smoke bombs. Oh my God. And then they pretended like that whole place had exploded, and then fucking Eddie Kingston was fucking dead, and Moxley was fucking dead, and they couldn't wake him up, and they're just stuck there, and they had all these referees, and even worse, what made the match even fucking worse was the referee wearing a fucking like one of those um, contamination suits, hazmat like, suits. Hazmat suits. I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Why would you? Why? This, this Why is... are you wearing a hazmat suit? What was the point of that? Um, why are you gonna have smoke bombs and sparklers come out? It's like, why don't you put some little like little bumblebees when you light them up and they spin around and turn on fire? That would have been worse than the fucking fucking smoke machine you just gave me. What the fuck? Oh my god, this. Okay, um, I will say I, I got to give the one positive here before I even begin to fucking go into this. I did like the part where Moxley touched the rope and it exploded to get Kenny off of him as a way to you know have him not kick out of the one ring angel. Cause I know there are, they take pride in the fact that only one that Moxie's kicked out of it once, but no one else has ever done it since then. So I kind of liked that concept. Now, for those of you that are fucking confused on what we're talking about, these were the rules to this death match. Three sides of the ring are wrapped in barbed wire. Contact and? with the barbed wire triggers explosives on that side. And they had three zones on the floor wired with explosives. And there's a 30-minute countdown timer until all the explosives in and around the ring detonate, which is what we're referring to with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Now, apparently Kenny Omega explains this shit on Twitter. And here's a quote from Kenny. It says, Kenny Omega clarified that the reason why the diagram shows doesn't show... All four, or, or his diagram showed all four sides of the ring wrapped in barbed wire, but the description only says three. And he says that's because he was being told to keep one side clear in case of an emergency. He wanted four sides, but AEW basically said you can only have three. So it was kind of a compromise, apparently, with TK. And he said what to expect. This was Kenny's quote, and I got to read this shit. 
The idea itself is incredible. You touch the ropes and they explode. This is a match that was made famous about 30 years ago in FMW, which is a frontier martial arts wrestling, which we'll be talking about that on Dark Side of the Ring when it comes out in Season 3. Uh, it's not like a cage match. We have a pretty good idea about what you'll see. With this, there are going to be so many unexpected parts. We expected a lot of this, and it did not exceed any expectation. Also, it says, and here's the quote I got to talk about here. This is my opportunity to show to a much broader audience that I can show a different side to my work. Do these skits, which these people who watch Being the Elite already knew, and accomplish a whole new set of goals. Kenny, I hate to break this to you. I hate to be the one to do it, but apparently I have to be. Um, we already know that you do hardcore shit. We already know... You do strong style shit. We already know that you have the selling ability of a rookie car salesman. If you want to show a different side to your work, how about you use psychology and tell a fucking story? Because that would impress me, Kenny. That would impress the shit out of me. That would make me want to put you in the category of great champions. Because right now, to me, you're the worst champion in the history of AEW. Oh, wow. Because yeah, Jesus taking, Christ. You're taking, a, you're taking a, a step too far there, buddy. John, I mean, <laughs> given the match they had, I think they put on the best thing they have. So, like, Kenny Omega is a prolific, fucking amazing wrestler. Best wrestler of the fucking year, as by David Meltzer, and from all the people from the IWC. Now, I know you're not, you're not really tickled and impressed by what you've been seeing so far, but we've only really seen him and Moxie so far, and he fought Moxie's kind of match. So, we, I can't wait to see when he actually fights, like, a real pure wrestler. Like, I cannot wait to see Kenny Omega versus Pac. Like, imagine Pac fighting a Kenny Omega level or Kenny Omega fighting a Pac kind of match. It's all about the dance partner, kid. Yeah. And yeah. Don Moxley likes the, like the hardcore. He he went to Moxley's level to have that kind of match. I wonder what kind of other challenges is be faced in front of him. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. And, and not only that, I these guys. Okay. And also, um, Kenny, Kenny, another thing you need to stop doing. Because it ain't working. You tried it multiple times, it ain't working. If you're going to set a table up on a corner, like you're not going to set up like a normal table, you're going to lean it. For the love of Christ, stop the Snapdragon suplexes. They don't work. You barely break the table, and it makes you and, Mo and your opponent look stupid. It's a dumbass move, and you're going to kill somebody with it. It doesn't work. Cut it from your arsenal. Okay. It's like, a, it's like, it's like, sometimes as a comedian, I had jokes in my act that at some point I got to cut the fucking thing out because it ain't working. The Snapdragon, half Nelson, full Nelson, flipping thing, stop it. It doesn't work. It never breaks the table and you're going to kill somebody. You've botched it every time. Not some of the time. Not a quarter of the time. Every time you try to put someone through a leaning table with a Snapdragon suplex, you break off a small piece of the table and the rest of it's still leaning there. How many more times does that have to happen before you look in the mirror and go, I probably shouldn't do this. Does someone's neck have to break? I don't wish that on any wrestler, but if, is that what it's going to take for Kenny to wake the fuck up and realize that move never works? He's done it with every wrestler that he's had a hardcore match with, from, from Moxley to the Bitch Boy, and it's never worked. That shit bothers me. It's insanity. He's doing it over and over and over again, expecting that table to break completely. It never does. 
You're just a hater, bro. Never does. You're just a hater. Maybe I am, but I'm seeing this shit in front of me. You can't tell me you're not seeing what I'm seeing. You, you're telling me you don't see this? Are you not seeing what I'm seeing? Nope. Only oblivious to it. You must be, because I'm like telling you, I've seen him do it. It's never worked. God help me, it's never worked. But... Well, that seems so broke, right? The, like, the bottom corner of it. That's anti... The, 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 the table's still leaning. It's not broken into pieces. Me, you're telling me you're only satisfied the table's broken in half, not the core because Yes, because that's how that's 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 a broken table. That's like that's like if somebody splashes off the top, it's like, yeah, the table dented a little bit, but it's not broken. That's not putting someone through a table. It needs to cause more harm because it didn't break the whole way through. That means all the pressure within her neck, not the table. So if, if you're playing a video game, your quarter of the energy will be gone on their neck. So I guess I'm playing too. This is me, my, my playing character when I play AEW. Omega. He will straight up kill. He's, I'm, I'm worried he's gonna kill. He's gonna kill somebody one day. I swear to God. But and then, like the bar. And then, as far as I'm concerned, the barbed wire exploding bat should have been the finish. That should have ended the whole damn match. If Kenny was going over, which he did, that should have ended the match right there. There was no reason for the chair and the one ringed angel onto the chair. That you didn't need it. It's like that, and the half-ass cover. Like that was that wasn't even like a heelish half-ass cover. That was just half-ass. Yeah, it was a lot of overkill by the by being the elite. Yeah, it was just there was just so many things that were ridiculous and went wrong and weren't needed. And then you tried to hype it up like the damn thing was gonna explode, and then it was just that. Like I would have liked it better if, if after the explosion, like the ring broke, like. Have like the ring fall, like like when they, cause 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 I found out later, like they've done that, like like when they do the superplex and the ring breaks, that's actually set to break. It wasn't like oh they broke it because they're heavy set motherfuckers. They have little things that can trigger it and set it to break. Just let it break. Have the ring like completely break into pieces. Have things, you know, like the ring post falls over, like the ring caves in or something, like something bad actually happens. Like holy crap, this was painful, and it's like. You know, in a way, things, like, protect them. Or, like, Eddie Kingston's, like, actually getting hurt protecting Moxley. There was just so much half-ass stuff that they did in this match, and... I gotta protect Mox from the fucking smoke machine. Exactly! Oh, my God! I don't want... I hope he doesn't get hit with the fog machine. It's like, hold on a second. He just lit the open Jabal bar. I gotta protect him from the rubber candles. No! Like, oh, my God, it's... Moxie's gonna get killed by the Fourth of July. Like, there's a we should do a skit where you and I like you're sitting, you're like you're like proud like Moxie, whatever. And I'll have like Zach and Desmond like some sparklers, and I'll cover you <laughs> to protect you. That should be our next YouTube video. That needs to be it. We just got to set up some kind of skit where that happens, and then like you just do that, and then we just have sparklers. So we're gonna we're totally gonna fucking do that. Yeah, but um, I mean this pay per view is not good. <laughs> Nah. Pay-per-views in a row, man. That sucks. And, uh, yeah, so that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up, uh, AEW Revolution. Um, despite everything that happened, uh, obviously, Elvis, I thank you for, uh, taking time out of your, uh, busy schedule to join me for this recap. And, um, obviously, we got a few more, uh, classic episodes coming out, but April 12th, we're hoping to make that comeback. And, uh, 
Uh, as of right now, um, we're still trying to figure out if WrestleMania, the tickets are even going on sale. They're still not saying shit about it, which is bothering me. But right now, the current plan is if they sell tickets, we are going. If, if they put the tickets on sale, uh, we'll be going to Tampa. So we'll either be recording the recap on a Monday morning on the car home from Tampa to uh, Georgia. Um, that'll be the one scenario, or if they end up deciding not to sell tickets and we're all home, then we'll be, we'll be doing what we're doing right now, recording it right after, uh, the pay-per-view each night. And we're still trying to, uh, you know, figure all that out. But the goal is to be back for WrestleMania. And obviously Elvis, I, uh, look forward to, uh, recapping WrestleMania 37 with you. Likewise, friend. Oh, yeah, sure. He was like, Hey man, let's do a revolution live. I'm like, dude, actually listen to put the show out the next day thank you so much for that absolutely and uh make sure you guys uh follow the boochcast here on soundcloud go to soundcloud.com slash boochcast b-o-o-c-h-c-a-s-t also like us on facebook go to facebook.com slash the boochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content up there for you guys to check out my latest episode of complain time dropped so you guys can check that out. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos from the Boochcast team. Uh, also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I mentioned before, we're going to do a funny video like this for YouTube at some point down the road. But until then, you can check out all the YouTube content you have up there. Uh, you can check out our reviews of Dark Side of the Ring. Right now, we have the Match Made in Heaven, the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, the Killing of Bruiser Brody that Elvis and I did with Desmond is currently up there. Uh, this coming Thursday, uh, The Last of the Von Erics will be on the channel. Uh, March 18th, check out The Mysterious Death of Gorgeous Gino. And March 25th will be The Fabulous Moolah. So as of right now, those are already scheduled and ready to air. They've been filmed, edited, ready to go. So make sure you check those out. On So hit the subscribe button, ring that bell to be notified. So you can check out those videos. And also, make sure you're following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. Uh, that's where we have the uh, the live watch parties that we do uh, for wrestling. Um, we may or may not have one for WrestleMania. Um, we're still trying to figure that out. That depends on all the ticket sales and things like that. We might have one with the whole team. We might have one with just a couple of us on a Saturday and then the, the other half on a Sunday. I don't know. We're still trying to figure all that out. And, of course, uh, the Boochcast D&D date to be determined so we're researching it we're working on it we're doing the best we can but it is the, the only promise i can make is it will happen when it will happen don't have a shit and clue um but follow us on twitch to be updated on that and of course support the show through patreon go to patreon.com slash uh the boochcast we have great rewards for great patrons for as little as one dollar a month just $1 a month, you can help support the show. You can help us uh, you know, upgrade the equipment. You can help us bring in bigger guests. You can help us keep the lights on and uh, help us keep making this show bigger and better for the fans. And also, if you got some extra spending cash, you want to take advantage of some of the other rewards we got, uh, feel free to do so as well. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We will talk to you guys soon. Until then, pizza, baby. Good night.
and goodbye. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.